0: Oh, there's Angie. (laughs) Okay. Thank you for being here. Thank you for finding a life group today. Uh, You got a lot of choices there in the back of the bulletin. Have some more unpacking to do of God's love. Um, I kind of need to get to the class. Hey, Kev, do you want to get me to the class where we were last time? Um, we recently were singing a song with Kevin Uh, I think it was Kevin one of these new songs praise and harmony songs and it's called In Need you know this one right Brent in need of grace in need of love you know that Jesus Christ wouldn't have even come to earth if you didn't have this need he knew you would have this need In need of mercy raining down from high above. Thank you. In need of strength. In need of peace, which we talked about earlier. In need of things that only you can give to me. Only God can give you what you really need. In need of Christ. The perfect lamb, my refuge strong, the great I am. This is my song, my humble plea. I am your child. I am in need. In need of grace. In need of Christ. I am in need. What did Jesus Christ say in Matthew chapter 5? When he started his preaching, he talked to all of the human beings about their desperate spiritual need. Poor in spirit. The people who realize that they are desperately in need, spiritually, desperately in need of God, their maker and sustainer and savior, they will be blessed. The people who realize that they need God will be blessed. That's the way it works. That's the way Jesus Christ started his ministry. By identifying that you have a need. You know how sometimes you and I almost pretend like we don't really have needs? I actually ask people sometimes, Do you need anything? And people look at me like, are you nuts? <laughs> You you couldn't supply it anyway. (laughs) I could pray pray about it. Um, Human beings have needs. All kinds of needs. But the biggest need is for their maker. And Jesus Christ starts his ministry by talking about this need. You and I, we have a a great need for the love of God. For the mercy of God. For the grace of God. Huge, huge need. Yet sometimes we just go through the motions. We're just pretending like we don't need really anything or anybody. And this is a problem. This is a problem to actually kind of try to pretend like you don't need anybody. You don't need anything. And, and then at the base of it, you don't really need the God who is holding you in life, the God of all good, of all goodness, It starts with need. And it's kind of funny. The word of God is so clear and so powerful that you you can hear Jesus Christ saying this thing in Matthew chapter 5, and then you can hear Peter, the apostle, who heard a lot of what Jesus was saying, saying in 1 Peter chapter 2, you must crave, crave spiritual milk. You need to cry out in need like a baby for what God has to give you. And Jesus says you need to hunger and thirst for righteousness, you need to want the righteousness and goodness and love of God more than anything else. That's what you need. You need to want His love more than anything else. It means more to you than anything else. Thomas Akempis back in the 1400s says, Let all be loved for Jesus. But let Jesus be loved for Himself. Write that down. Let all be loved for Jesus. For Jesus' sake you love others. But let Jesus be loved for Himself. We said that Jesus, He is the gift. He Himself. It's God. He he pours out Himself completely for us. He loves you. You know how this becomes real? This becomes real when Jesus tells the story of not the prodigal son, not really just your story, but the story of the loving father. It may be misnamed up above in the little special italics. It's not just about the prodigal son. It's about the loving father. And the mercy that Jesus is talking about, the need that you have is represented when the son who is totally messed up is headed home. He's in the direction of home. He's going home. But the father does not sit on the porch waiting saying, you have five more hoops to jump through. The father sees the son who had gone away. You and I went away. He sees the son from far off and he runs, runs. I'm not even sure if you and I are capable of running like this, but this old guy was running down the road with his arms open. His arms open. Now for some of us whose parents maybe didn't have a lot of physical affection, this is very interesting. That Jesus is talking about God the Father as not sitting there all prim and proper, but as running at you. Running down the road at you with his arms wide open to hug You, to hug you and to kiss you, to welcome you home as his own. This is where it gets real. This is the real love of God. You know why Laurel is so huggy? Well, a lot because of Alan, but (laughs) some of us have been huggy for a while. (laughs) It's because of this the story of the prodigal son. God is a hugger. You go to some churches and they're like, Oh, welcome. Oh, nice to see you. So they'll stay away. We've got to go to lunch now. No, you get a hug. You need to be hugged because the God who made you, who sent his son to save you, is that kind of person. That's his character. He is running down the road to hug you he throws himself on the son who totally messed up. This is not normal. This is not normal, but this is the character of God. This is the mercy of God. The tenderness of God. God is tender. Yes, he can be stern. Yes, he deals with sin. But this is who God is. The father running down the road with his arms open. Now, if you have sons... I've said this to other people. You have sons. I want you to go find your son and hug him and kiss his head. If you have a daughter, go find her. Hug her. Kiss her head. This is the love of God. There is affection. The apostles all teach about affection for each other. It actually shows up in some way. It's demonstrable. It's demonstrated. Okay, that's Luke 6.15. Let me read you a couple things. Ezekiel 36.26. Okay, this is where we're going. This is the example we're getting to out of Jesus' teaching and stories. We'll get to this. We talked about 1 John 3 last time. But I, I want you to hear some of what God the Father says, even in the Old Testament, Ezekiel 36, 26, I will give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. This is NLT, but this is what it says. The reality is, human beings in the world get hardened. You know that, right? You know in your own walk with Christ that as you go along, different things in your career, different things in life, different exposures that you have, have hardened you. You can admit that, right? This is part of what Jesus is talking about in terms of realizing your spiritual need. We actually have to be able to admit, yeah, yeah, some of this stuff actually makes me hard. All the nonsense going on in our country right now could actually make you hardened. Yeah, because it's total nonsense. Total nonsense. Constant lying, constant bitterness, violence, wickedness, constantly. Not good. Not good. None of it. Not good. False accusation constantly. That's what Satan does. Constant deception. That's what Satan does. Trying to get people all divided up, stirred up. That's what Satan does. You can get hardened in the world very fast. And I hate to say it, but sometimes we actually have learned, grown up with some sarcasm and cynicism. And you don't have to just live in the D.C. area to get that. You can get that anywhere in America. (laughs) There are certain things that we do that are socially acceptable that also are an aspect of a hardening of heart. (sighs) Do you know that I have been following Jesus Christ for over half a century? Man, am I old. What am I doing? (laughs) Over half a century, I've been trying to follow Jesus Christ. You learn different things at different times along the way. You keep learning just the way it is. But you know what? Cheryl and I were talking with somebody yesterday. And we got to talking about how... Actually, if we hadn't... Been baptized when we were like 11, 12 years old. We may have never been reachable. Later on, it's quite possible. Cheryl actually says pretty often, you know, you couldn't have stopped her from going down that aisle that day. Nobody could have stopped her. Same was true with me. I had been waiting for years at 11 years old. I knew what the gospel message was. I knew what was at stake. Even as an 11-year-old, i had done dumb stuff even as an 11-year-old. I had a conscience. I knew. But do you know what happens? The truth of God penetrates a human heart you know why Jesus talks so much about you got to become like little children to even get into the kingdom because if you do not realize your need for your heavenly father you are not getting in if you are not touched by his tender mercy and love in some way in your heart so that it's not stony anymore You can't even get into the kingdom of God. You have to have a soft spot somewhere where God's message can penetrate. The Holy Spirit can convict you in some way. And your heart can be responsive to the message so that God can change your heart from stony to warm flesh. That's what it says in the original a soft heart, a soft heart, responsive to him, listening to him. Sometimes little kids will surprise you, and they'll actually listen to you. Sometimes little kids pretend like they're not listening to you, but they actually heard what you said. (laughs) Oh, sorry. We're kind of like that sometimes. We actually know. We're listening to God. We know what he says. And then every once in a while... You stop all of your busyness. You stop all the nonsense. You calm yourself down. And the truth of God registers again. And you realize, man, the father that was running down that road, he was running down the road to me. Because I need him to. I need him to. I couldn't even crawl back to the house. I couldn't crawl back to the house. He has to meet me out on the road. He has to welcome me and help me the rest of the way. But the prodigal son was so aware of his need in every way. He was so destitute in every way. He knew that he needed everything the father had for him. If you don't get this, you don't get the gospel. If you do not understand this at an emotional level, you will not receive the love of God. You won't. It'll just be stuck in your head. You have actually, this is part of the the barriers to receiving the love of God, you have actually have to envision God running down the road to hug on you, to hug on your neck, and not let you go, and welcome you, and walk you all the way into the house. He's going to walk you all the way into the house. Many mansions prepared for you. He's going to walk you all the way home. Yeah. That's what Ezekiel says. Another spot talking about he's going to shepherd us. He's going to take us all the way through. And he sends Jesus to bring us about to be our example. In Luke 178, write these scriptures down. Ezekiel 36, 26, Luke 178 Because of God's tender mercy, the morning light from heaven is about to break upon us. You would have no light streaming into your mind and heart if it wasn't for the tender mercy of God. Now, Marty talks about a sunbeam. She and Cheryl talk about a sunbeam when she was little. When the Son of God When the sunshine of God, when the light of God shines into your life, when you hear the truth, and you know it's the truth, when you hear the story of God hugging you and welcoming you, when you hear that, you know the tender mercy of God is exactly what I need. Because the world is a harsh place. And sometimes you and I pick up a bunch of harsh Bad habits, bad thoughts, bad patterns that have nothing to do with the character of God. Now, I've got to keep opening this box or I'll kind of go too, too slow here. Um, one of the things that um, we see in the example of Christ, uh, starting in John 13 and in other places, is this certain um, tender love. Uh, the reason for which God says in Ezekiel 36 that we need a tender, responsive heart. And this is why Jesus, when different people uh, who didn't have very good reputations came up to him and they did something that was tender-hearted in serving him or reaching out to him. And some of the people around him, his handlers, didn't like it. But he recognized this person has some tenderness of heart to do this for me. To recognize who I am and what's going on. And he stopped and he reached out to them. This tells you something in terms of his example and what you and I should be doing and why we should want this responsive heart so badly. Ephesians four thirty-two says be kind to each other. Be kind to each other. Tender hearted. Forgiving one another, just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. This is not just a memory verse. This is part of the gift that God is trying to give to us. He's being kind to us. He's being tender-hearted and merciful to us. Why? He forgave you. Why? So that you can begin to learn how to be kind people around you. How to forgive the people around you. And it's a a process, by the way. We'll talk about that more later. It is a process. This kindness of God is also inside this love of God. And then finally, Philippians 1.8, if you want to note it. God knows how much I love you and long for you with the tender compassion of Christ Jesus. This is the way the Apostle Paul talked. Do you know how few times this sentence would show up in our emails to each other? (laughs) If I emailed this to you, would you think I was totally weird? Okay, somebody said yes. (laughs) This is what the Apostle Paul says. says. God knows how much I love you and long for you with the Tender compassion of Christ Jesus. This this is relational. This isn't doctrinal only. This is relational. (laughs) The teaching of the apostles, that's doctrine. The apostles are teaching you and I. You need to be kind to each other because God has been kind to you. And Paul is saying about this person and his relationship with them. Man. Man. I love you so much. I, I long to be with you. The fellowship thing. The relationship thing. The, all because of the tender compassion of Christ. His example is one of tender compassion. Not something else. And unfortunately, I hate to say this, but unfortunately, I actually think that some of what happened in the... Catholic religion over so many centuries, keeping Jesus on the cross with blood coming out of him, keeping Jesus on the cross and not really paying attention to his life and his death and his burial and his resurrection um, is a little bit of a problem. It's a problem in terms of understanding true Christianity. Christianity Uh, the Christ that came did everything he did not to found another world religion. He came to show you, you, the tender mercy of the Father who has run down the road to give you a big whopping hug that nobody else could possibly give you. It's not about something else. It's not about a statue of somebody up on a cross. It's about the living God coming to you, pouring himself out for you, showing you what you were made for, what he made you for. He made you for tender hearted mercy. You can't do that when you are taking in all of the harshness of the world. You know what I'm saying, right? Okay. Well, last time we made our way... We made our way from peace to joy to gentleness. Don't lose the gentleness. The peace and the joy come with the gentleness. And this last time, from the gentleness, we talked about the tenderness. And I just read you some more passages of Scripture about the the tenderness of God. And uh, the tenderness of God is talked about all through the Bible. All through the Bible. And... There are several other words. The patient word that we talked about is important. The goodness word and the kindness word that I just mentioned. All of these words, the words for these words <laughs> in Greek, have an overlapping meaning, and they have to do with the merciful character of God. He is merciful, He is pouring out good things. He is being kind all of the time. All of the time. Tenderness. The Apostle Paul in Philippians 2.1 asks the questions, Are your hearts tender and compassionate? This is structured in a question. Sometimes in versions it's not structured in a question. It is a question. Are your hearts tender And compassionate. Because the spirit of God, if he is residing in you, like Jesus said was going to happen in John 14, if he is residing in you, you will become a more tender hearted, gentle person. You will. You will. Some of the harshness that maybe your parents or somebody else had towards you will start to go away. I think I've told you my dad was kind of the compassionate one my dad was kind of the one who had empathy my mom was a little tougher every once in a while she hit me on the arm like you know tough or more power to you like go on you do it just do it like go on just deal with it my dad's like almost crying about something you know Interesting. Interesting. But then we hear what the Word of God has to say, and it's asking us questions about a tender heart, a compassionate heart. You, you, can't, even, you can't even get to compassion. You can't even get there unless you go through tenderness and gentleness, kindness. You can't get to compassion. It's, it's not a political ploy. Compassion is not a political Uh, Component. Compassion is the heart of God. And you have to know God. You have to know Him to actually experience real compassion and pass it on to somebody else. And you have to be tender-hearted for it to happen. Tenderness. Part of this example of Jesus And what the apostles talk about in Colossians 3.12. The apostle Paul saying, clothe yourselves with with what? Tender-hearted mercy. You put your clothes on in the morning, put on tender-hearted mercy. Kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. This is what you're supposed to clothe yourself with every day. Don't be going out spiritually naked. Clothe yourself with the things that Jesus Christ has brought to you in the love of God. First Peter 3:8 says, "Be tender-hearted and keep a humble attitude." The two things go together. It's hard to get to gentleness and tenderness if you are not putting yourself in position of need with God. It doesn't mean you're milk toast. Don't don't be thinking that meek means milk toast and you just flip around like a fish and you do whatever people want you to do. That's not it. Jesus Jesus didn't do that. Jesus did what the Father wanted him to do. And he was adamant. He was adamant in ways, if if the people around him didn't understand it, he was still focused and adamant. This is what the Father's will is. This is the character of God. And he lived it out. He's showing that to you and me for a reason. His life example is for a reason. It's to help us 5, 5.11, write this down. The Lord is full of tenderness and mercy. The Lord is full of tenderness and mercy. And we see this back from Exodus 34, where he's describing who he is to Moses before he gives him the law. He's filled with compassion. He's abounding in love. He is the merciful one. He is the one who has mercy for you when you don't even have mercy for yourself. You know how sometimes you get upset with yourself? Yeah, yeah, in your own head. You get upset with yourself. It's like, man, that was dumb. I know better than that. It's like you you can kick yourself around a little bit. Yeah, you, you, you did something dumb. You're not thinking the way you should be thinking. Don't be wasting a whole lot of time doing that because God is trying, He's trying to fill us up with this tenderness. Oh, yeah. Uh, he sends one chapter on uh, admonishing uh, the receiver of the lover, whoever it was, about being so hard on yourself. He says, that's just another aspect of pride. <laughs> you kick yourself down the street, you're, giving, you're kind of adding yourself on so the mirror image is the wrong way up. Yeah, well, that's the seeking heart. And we have a few more copies of that. But that seeking heart, it's very interesting because. The other thing he says in there, which is so true, is, uh, and this is back in the 1600s, but uh, François Finelon knew some things. Uh, the Protestants had taught him to study the Word of God. Um, that same book talks about how depression, get ready, depression, discouragement, and depression are related. To not humbling yourself. Humbling yourself before God. Being in the middle of that hug. Receiving God's hug. Total acceptance from God. On the middle, right in the middle of the road. You're out there. You're headed in the right direction. But he comes to you. That is is the picture that tenderness that kindness it's, sometimes you and I get so stuck in our own heads that we are not receiving what Jesus Christ brought and what he taught we, we want to hold on to the doctrine of Christ and the apostles and yet this is one of the things he's saying that pivotal at the front you must realize your spiritual need for God you must realize that God is enough. You don't need anything else except for the one who made you and who is sustaining you and who is pouring himself out for you. Romans 5:5, 5, 5, but but we see it in Galatians 5:22. God through his own spirit is pouring out his character into his people in a way that was not possible until the new covenant with christ he can pour his character out into you a direct import into your heart and mind via his holy spirit who resides in you because you took the step of faith to be buried with christ to die the old man to die so that the new man not a stony heart anymore not a stony heart anymore you have been given a new heart, a soft heart by God, and it's inhabited now by God. But sometimes you and I are referencing the hardened stuff, the harsh stuff, still. But He gave you a soft heart. Yes. I just have been learning and a lot more about this compassion idea But right. you know, it's totally right. at this point just my own need to respond in a better way. Right without fear. And, right. I don't have peace in that. and I'm not a piece of that. Now I'm really, yeah. really loving that. So right. well that and that's very interesting too. We'll, we'll, later on we'll get to the thing about how God is the God of boundaries. He's not only the God of love, and the God of love actually hates certain things because they destroy all the good stuff. See, human beings have a hard time understanding some of this. People in the world especially don't quite get this. The God of love has to set boundaries. Has to. And he did from day one. The universe would just totally explode without boundaries. There were boundaries even in Jesus' own relationships because you have to have wisdom and how you deal with people. Compassion, yes. Gentleness, yes, tenderness, yes. But you have to have wisdom. And this is why Jesus was teaching his followers to be as innocent as doves and as wise as serpents, because the world is tricky, Satan is tricky. Okay? So he, he, he was no doormat. Jesus Christ was no doormat. He knew exactly what was going on, he knew what was being perpetrated, and he chose to do the will of the Father. Okay, so that, you know, the fear of things, it's out the window. But you still have, you still have to know <laughs> that, that the God of love, he hates some things that are destructive. And he sets boundaries from day one. Day one. Um, sometimes we do not. And sometimes of the, 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 all of the scars and issues and hurts and wounds that we have... A lot of them are connected to not properly setting boundaries in terms of mutual respect, mutual caring. If you actually want to have a relationship. Now, if, if, you know, if you're not going to have a relationship with somebody, that's, that's a little different story. but. Oh absolutely. Absolutely. Right, right. Absolutely, yeah. No, that's, that's, that's a beautiful point. No, absolutely. Uh, all this, this is part of the thing. You know, sometimes you the think about it. Okay, I have got to put all this the on, but the reality is, God's just trying to equip you. He's trying to equip you for this life so that you're really ready for eternal life. He's he's trying to equip you. And he gives you all these different things. But if you read Ephesians chapter 1, you know right away that there are are tons of blessings. (laughs) Tons of spiritual blessings available to you. To you in Christ Jesus. And you haven't even touched the surface. You have not scratched the surface. I guarantee you, you have not scratched the surface of God's blessings. They're being talked about in Ephesians chapter 1. Well, yes, brother. Uh, uh, you need the uh, armor You need what? Uh, armor. armor. Okay. Yes. law. Yeah, well the sword of the spirit talking about the word of God it's one of those things it's filled with love but I tell you what we said this last time the word of God is a double edged sword and it will cut all directions and if you let it it will cut through the nonsense and the hardness and it will bring you to a tender spot where you can actually receive not only the truth of God but the love of God Sometimes you and I can't get to the love because we don't want to, to accept the truth. <laughs> I, I don't want to admit my spiritual need. And so we stagger around. No, he's trying to bless you with every spiritual blessing from heaven. He's trying. And you and I are a little bit busy. A little bit busy. Farron, how you doing? Yes. And so he was able to serve in that particular way. He was able to accept the one who wasn't morally clean because he knew who he was. Yes. And so we we don't act out of fear, we act on behalf of somebody else. We know who we are or we should. We're not we right. to do or we get there. Yeah. But once we get to the point that we know who we are. Yeah, I'm a sinner. I've been forgiven by Jesus Christ. I belong to God. I'm loved by him. Now it doesn't matter what you do, I can love you. I can accept you because i know who I, am. I know where I'm this is not a question anymore. Mm-hmm. and it us up to people oh it's it's a great point i i, I think that's a, a a missed point for uh, that chapter uh, often so uh, no that's that's a, that's a great point A uh, number of uh, really good points there uh, i want you to write down uh, psalm 103 uh, verses uh, 4 and 8 and uh, Psalm 103, verse 13, and Psalm 119, 77. The first one says, "He fills my life with good things." There's that goodness, that goodness thing. He fills my life with good things. The Lord is compassionate and merciful. He is filled with unfailing love. That's the first passage. The 103.13 is, The Lord is like a father to his children. Tender and compassionate. Do you know this is why Peter tells dads to not provoke your sons. Don't exasperate your kids. Don't unnecessarily provoke them or be harsh with them. Don't be harsh with your wife. Why? Why? Because of this. The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate. He wants to teach you fathering that is tender and compassionate. Yes, he sets boundaries. Yes, he deals with stuff. But the essence of who he is is tender and compassionate. And he operates with you like a a father. Do you know, this is part of the reason why we mess up as parents sometimes. I don't want to give you a hard time because parenting is crazy. But sometimes it's because we forget That we are God's child. He is parenting us. He is trying to actively parent us. That's the way he views us. We are his children. Why does Jesus say you have to become like little children? Because he is the father and we are the children. We are his people. He views us as his children. We actually have to listen to him. All this stuff being said to kids, you know, like Peter's talking, the kids need to do what the parents are saying, you know, obey your parents because it's good, it's a good thing. If you and I paid attention to God our Father, listened to Him, obeyed Him, honored Him, all would be well. And we would become more tender, compassionate human beings. Because that's what the Word of God says. He is. He fathers this way. He parents this way. So, okay, let me just pull out a couple of things here. We, we have some other things coming up. Goodness, patience. You know, next to this, there, there are, there's a set of things. This is what we're talking about next. Next to goodness... Mercy, tenderness, compassionate. Gender, generosity is the character of God. Because he's merciful. He's merciful. You know, people who are actually merciful are really generous. They, they actually give stuff to people. They share with people. With, without, like, even keeping track of stuff sometimes. It's... it's Part of who God is. He shares stuff with you. He he is pouring out all these things. You can't even fill out the list, the Thanksgiving list. All the things that God has done for you in your life. All the things God has saved you from in your life. You can't even create the list because it's too big. It's too big. But you should try. You should try. We're talking thousands and thousands and thousands of good things coming from the hand of God. He is generous to you. All the good stuff you have, all the good things that you have had and don't have anymore, <laughs> it's from Him. Everything from Him. Everything. If there is any kindness in your soul, if there is any tenderness in your soul, as a new creation... Paul says, What counts as a new creation? Why? Because a new creation is the soft, tender heart of Jesus. Not I, but Christ living in me. And this mercy and this generosity of God must be seen in me, it has to come through. Just like the forgiveness of God has to come through, Jesus is very explicit. You can't be forgiven by Christ and not forgive others. You won't make it. You won't make it. Very clear. Because the God that you're going to see is the God of mercy. And He is generous with His mercy. He's generous in every way. In every way. He is pouring out all he can possibly pour out for you in Christ Jesus. And you may not even be recognizing it. You might not be thankful for all of it. You better stop and start making that Thanksgiving list. Thanksgiving's coming, you know. You've got to make that list. It is a long list. It's a long list. you got to get serious because God is serious about His mercy and His goodness being demonstrated to the entire world. The entire world. Uh, I have tons and tons of other scriptures here related to this, these things, the goodness of God. And uh, in particular, I just want to read a couple more. Oh, Lord God, may your loyal servants rejoice in your goodness. Do you know what? If your full-time job was just to rejoice out loud about the goodness of God, you would be doing the will of God. If you did nothing else in a day... But you rejoiced about how good God is. How wonderful God is. That's Psalm 145. Read it again. You talk about how good God is all day long. You rejoice about it. If you are a loyal servant of God. That's what loyal servants of God do. They rejoice about his goodness. And we've got to leave it there. We've got more coming next week. God bless you this week. Stay strong, stay focused.